lot of, he- lot of heaviness. Like, 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 and we're working through this as a church community um, in our worship, in our time together. Like, like the initial news of the shooting in Nivaldi was heavy already. But I feel like there was never a chance to kind of let up because like, the news that kept coming out was just as heavy, right? And then like, the updates of how things went down, it was heavy. The, the NRA conference keep going, like, and like, the rhetoric coming out of that was just heavy. And like, I, I'm lamenting um, of how the, the American church um, have perpetuated this, like, our society's idolatry of guns and, and violence. Um, it doesn't help the fact that on Monday there's a news uh, report that came out about the Southern Baptist Convention of, of, of hiding 700 ca- over 700 cases of abuse. This, on Wednesday, the day after the shooting, was the two-year anniversary right, of George Floyd's death. And, um, and I grieve those things, and I grieve also at the same time how the church has been a part of perpetuating these like narratives that just make it so... Um, so ugly. I don't, I don't know what else to put. Like, it's ugly. Um, and so as much as I, I love the pursuit of being the spiritual community together, like, I, I hold that intention. I hold all these, like, um, the state of our world, the state of our cultures, the state of our society, the state of the American church, and, like, what we get to press into as a church community. And, and so, like, um, that has definitely impacted um, my week and how, I pr- how I've been praying and preparing for our time today. So, um, so as we start, I feel like it's appropriate um, to spend a moment of silence to, um, to remember and, and give respect to the 12 souls lost in the shooting this week at Rob, Rob Elementary. He's 21 image bearers of God. Um, and, and before we start, I'll, I'll read the names of the victims, and then we'll have a brief moment of silence, and it'll be followed by a prayer um, that was written by Pastor Eugene Cho with some minor um, updates. Um, so here are the names. And... Um, Even like this first name is, is hard. Her name is um, Heaven, spelled backwards. Devea Bravo. Jackie Casares. McKenna Lee Elrod. Jose Manuel Flores Jr. Elia Eliana Eli Amaya Garcia. Ormar Garcia. Uzziah Garcia, and Mary Jo Garza, Javier Lopez, Jace Carmelo Levanos, and um, I read the story about Jace. His name kind of sticks out. Um, he, he made coffee for his grandpa every day, and um, he would write notes to his grandpa saying, "Have a great day, Grandpa. I love you, Grandpa." Tesmeri Mata, Maranda Matis, Eva Mireles, Lydia Ramirez, 
Annabel Guadalupe Rodriguez, Maite Juliana Rodriguez, Alexandra Alexia Naya Rubio. She wanted to be a lawyer. Her parents apparently had very engaging political conversations. And um, apparently, governor of Texas, um, the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, reached out to her family and said, hey, let's meet up. And um, her family declined because Lexi had some strong feelings about Governor Abbott. She was created in the image of God. Leila Salazar, Alia Nicole Silguero, Eliana Torres, Rogelio Torres. Let's have a moment of silence for these image bearers of God. Loving and gracious God, we come to you in prayer. Even as we stumble with our words and wrestle with our emotions, we pray. Even while we still grieve and lament the recent gun violence in the Korean salon in Dallas, at the church in Laguna Hills, and the racist-motivated massacre in the market in Buffalo, again, we come in disbelief and lament. We are heartbroken for the 19 innocent children and two teachers. We pray for the students, teachers, and community of Robb Elementary School in Unovaldi, Texas. We especially pray for the family members and loved ones who are left with an un unfathomable heartache of loss. Be near to the brokenhearted. We also pray for the injured that are fighting for their very lives right now. We also pray for the first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals. While we clearly condemn the evil act of the shooter, still, yet still, we pray for his family as they process and mourn this unconscionable act. As you pray and mourn, give us the moral courage to also discern how we can act as debates will inevitably vacillate vacillate between mental health, gun reform, glorification of violence, and other causes. Convict us that it all matters. Help us to understand the importance of mental health, to name the increasing glorification of violence and, gun, and guns in our culture, and commit to gun reform legislation. We pray for hearts to change, and also we pray for laws and policies that would make such gun violence rare and not a regular part of our society. We also pray for our respective lawmakers move and stir in their hearts to lead with deep empathy 
rather than partisan politics, convict our leaders to prioritize the mental, emotional, and physical well-being of those who they serve, including and especially our children and our youth. In a culture that feels as if we're, we've normalized violence, may our hearts remain tender, broken, resolute over such senseless violence. Convict us to know that even in a broken world, it doesn't have to be this way. So Lord, in your mercy, we pray. Amen. And um, I, as a, uh, it, it matters. The space matters. It matters that we give space to grieve and to lament as a faith community, especially after a week like the one we just had. God invites us into these spaces. In First Peter, right, chapter 5, it, one of his last encouragements to his readers is, cast your cares upon God because he cares for you. Like, he, he cares that you're sad. He cares that you're pissed off. He cares that you're frustrated and fed up with the injustices of this world. God gave you those feelings as an invitation to be present with him. What you feel is a part of your Imago day. God gave you the capacity to have those feelings. And it is God's unique way of asking you to be present with him in that space. Your feelings are an invitation to a deeper and more intimate communion with God. Um, so, so with that said, um, um, let, me, let me kind of present two options. And this is kind of, you know, almost like a choose your own adventure um, for, for the remainder of our time. Um, in a moment, yes, like Jay mentioned, we are, we are starting a new series and we'll be talking about that and it relates to this. But as, also at the same time, I don't want to downplay. I, I don't, I don't want to kind of just skim aside um, that if you need more space to grieve, lament, by all means, please do so. I will not uh, be offended um, if I see you walk off. If, if I see you um, doodling, journaling, processing um, what's happened, because um, we're here to do this together in the presence of God. Um, so these are kind of your two choices we have today. But, but let me kind of move on to kind of like the, 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 the meat of, of what we're talking about today. And what, so why am I talking about feelings um, and in the, in the context of all this? Other than the fact that I'm an Enneagram 4 and I just can't help but to feel these, uh, feel these things at this level. Um, it's because we are starting a series on spiritual disciplines. And Spiritual disciplines are practices, and we have a definition for it up here. Spiritual di uh, disciplines are the practices of our body and mind that give space for a deeper relationship with God, which ultimately impacts our lives, meaning it shapes our character, and the lives around us, meaning the work of justice and peacemaking. So when we talk about the practice of lament, when we practice lament together, like, we, we've noticed that like, our feelings have led us to this place of practice. We engage in a moment of silence, remember the victims' names, 
bring to surface to allow us to feel what we feel and inviting God into that space. And that perhaps that from that place, we would receive healing and restoration and that would lead toward action, both individually and corporately. Or perhaps not, that's fine. But the important thing is that we are there with God together. Allow him to speak into it, breathe life into it. And as we engage in this practice of lament together, the unique thing about what it does to a community, I think, it shapes our collective sense of identity, belonging, and how we could move forward in a meaningful way. Lament, like other spiritual disciplines, give us space for our emotions, our personalities, our, our total being to engage with God. It is a space in which we learn, grow, and heal with Him so that we can move forward in cooperation with Him. Because spiritual discipline are the practices of our body and mind that give space to a deeper relationship with God, which leads, ultimately impacts our lives, our character, and the lives around us, peacemaking and justice. So lament is one communal practice of spiritual discipline. What are some other spiritual disciplines? In his book, um, Celebration of Disciplines, Richard Foster outlines some disciplines and the categories. He categorizes them into three and how they might be practiced. Uh, there's an inward dis uh, discipline, outward discipline, communal discipline. So inward disciplines, they are prayer and fasting, and there are some texts, biblical texts that relate to that, uh, meditation and study. Um, by the way, study, we're talking about Bible study, studying of Scripture, which Pastor Jay Lee will talk about next week, and we have a whole thing on that. I'll talk a little more about that later. Outward disciplines is solitude, simplicity, submission, service. All, all the um, S ones are in, in outward dis uh, disciplines. And communal disciplines, which is confession, worship, celebration, and lament. It's not a complete list, but uh, I feel like I, if... I might add maybe something like journaling, which has been a huge and important part of, um, of my spiritual journey in, in very specific seasons. I would also add Sabbath, uh, because Jesus modeled it in his, during his earthly ministry. And all these practices of our body and mind give space to a deeper relationship with God that shapes our character and moves us toward the work of justice and peacemaking. But the thing is, they are not a means to salvation. They, they don't get us in with God. They don't get us closer to the front of the line. They, spiritual disciplines just simply open up space for God. It doesn't, make us, it doesn't make God love you more. It doesn't make change the way he thinks about you. It doesn't make, it doesn't make you better than Sammy or Susie or whoever over there. Um, God's love still remains the same whether or not you practice spiritual disciplines. Maybe, maybe one way of looking at it is this. Um, God's love is like the sun. It never changes. You could, you could sit under a shade, it'll be a little bit cooler, but it doesn't fact, change the fact that God's sun is shining, or the sun is shining. God's love is the same way. We could position ourselves wherever we want, however we want. We could do whatever we want, but it still doesn't change the way that God feels about us. His love is eternal. His love is an everlasting love. And so spiritual disciplines aren't, are not getting in with God. It's not, it's not about winning God's favor, but simply about being present with Him. And I share that because spiritual disciplines in some ways serve a similar purpose. 
in times where like Christianity has lost its way, that it's like sold its soul to this pop culture that has become too commercialized, that it's been bought up, perpetuating narratives and reinforcing America's idolatries of guns and power and violence. Spiritual disciplines are like gazing into por uh, prophetic portraits to remind us what makes the follower of Jesus a follower of Jesus. Spiritual disciplines ground us to what it means to be a follower of Christ. When there's a dominant narrative out there, what it means to be, a, or what people think it means to be a Christian, spiritual disciplines ground us to say, you know what, no, there's a different narrative. There's a different reality than what it might be projected out here, but let me, get, let me, let's go back to the roots. Let's go back to what it, it, like what it means to be a follower. It grounds us to the principle. I, I was asked a question earlier this week um, by a friend, and he said, um, he said, like now with like the state of the world, like of, of our culture, um, do you do you feel do you feel reluctant to tell people that you're like pastor or Christian? Um, I never thought about that, but I, I realized I think in a sense like I yes and no. I I realized that like. <laughs> And this is like, um, I'm going like off the rails, like, um, but um, I, I realize I, I'm more reluctant to tell people who I know that are other Christians that I'm a pastor. Um, and I'm more willing, I'm okay with telling people who aren't believers that I'm a pastor. Because I have felt more empathy, human to human, to human contact with other non-followers of Jesus. And something about being a pastor to other Christians in, other, in some circles kind of automatically like made me unhuman. Um, and there are different standards that have been placed. And I feel like what Jesus does is he tries to neutralize that crown over and over again. That's one of the reasons why our values at our church is the priesthood of all believers. We all embody this. We all carry this. And we all struggle with it. And we all it together. So in a world where the dominant idea of what it means to follow follower of Jesus is really a caricature of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, um, we need spiritual disciplines to do what the Apostle Paul reminds us to do in Philippians 4.8, which is this. Whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is Pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We need spiritual disciplines for all. because I, I wonder if there's in the human condition there are two primary voices that we, we struggle with. One is the voice that keeps saying, um, it is the voice of shame. It's a voice of saying you're not good. You're bad, you're, you're dumb, you're not worthy, and all that stuff. This is the voice, actually, that gets introduced in Genesis 3. And I think much of, like, um, religious and human systems we grew up with starts there, with that voice. You're not good enough. You're sinful, you're bad, um, and whatever, all the stuff. But the other voice is Genesis 1. And this is the voice that says, it is good. 
God made spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines take us to the voice in Genesis 1. There are so many other dominating voices that, that are the voice of the fall. It's the voice of sin, but spiritual disciplines ground us to the voice of God saying, this is good, this is good, this is good. So what does it look like for us to approach spiritual disciplines? Um, um, Actually, let me, let me back up. I think part of the voice, the voice in Genesis 3, and how we relate it to, relate it, to it in, in the way we've, we've grown up and we've been taught about some of these spiritual disciplines, is that we have to do this, right? Like, and there's like this like legalistic sense of that we have to. But I, I think the misconception is that God isn't concerned about your performance. He's not concerned about your performance. But he's very concerned about your presence. And so all spiritual disciplines it is, is, is Jesus inviting you into these spaces. Like, come be with me. Come be with me. Right? You remember the parable of, uh, of the talents, right? The parable of the talents says, like, okay, in, in the Western consumeristic producing culture, we make the emphasis about, oh, look at this guy. He had three talents, and he made extra, so now he has six. And look at this other guy, ooh, he had five, and then he got even more five, now he has ten. And we celebrate that, but if we look at this parable of, the meaning of the parable, and the intent of it, we see that after he says, hey, you made this, you made this extra bit, that's great. Come and share in your master's happiness. You made three or five extra, it doesn't matter. Come and share in your master's happiness. What Jesus wants from us is not our production, is, it is our presence. That's why he did what he did. That's why the gospel is Jesus in the flesh. That's why the gospel is Emmanuel when heaven meets earth. The gospel, yes, in part, is this future hope that we have after we live this life on earth, but the gospel is that we get to experience heaven now with Jesus, him, present in this broken world. The spiritual disciplines is an invitation to the presence of God, to be with him again, again, and again. So there are many ways to do this, to pursue spiritual disciplines. Um, and here's one way that we felt like we could do, practice this together and experience this as a collective, or allow this to be a collective mutual experience. And here's how this series is going to work. Okay, here are a little more practicals, all right? So today and next week, we are talking about spiritual disciplines. And we're going to take a break. We're going to have two other amazing series in between, which I'm really looking forward to. And then at the end of August, we're going to go three weeks and pick the series back up. In some sense, it'll be like bookends of the summer, right? Where summer's about to start, we're going to have these two weeks, and then we're going to have summer and do all summer stuff, have these two wonderful series. And then as we start the next school year, time, um, we will go back and re, um, have like part two of, of spiritual disciplines. And the thread that is going to connect these two weeks to, uh, to the latter three weeks is that um, we're, we are going to, we're going to try to do a podcast, okay? Um, and I, I say try because 
we're going to try. <laughs> um, and, and, and we will focus on the spiritual discipline of Bible reading. So it, that's why Jay Lee is going to speak about that next week. And it's going to set us up for the practice of it throughout, um, throughout the summer. And we'll have several members of the teaching team and staff share in that podcast. And we're going to, have, we're going to use um, our, our, we have a reading plan. Um, and we're going to follow that. And we're going to just go through that and just, just unpack whatever comes up. We're just going to, um, with, with no agenda, then other than just simply, let's just look at God's word together and see what it says. But until then, until we get there, maybe one, one thing that we can do this week um, is, um, can we get that list of like spiritual disciplines again? Maybe one thing we could do this week is, um, how about we just pick one? I, I just realized I'm not a good salesman, um, so I'm, this, this might sound like the most like lackadaisical, lazy kind of like <laughs> pitch. <laughs> but why don't we just pick one? Pick one for this week. Let's just let's just do the weekdays, okay? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Pick one. Solitude, simplicity, worship, and just um, and let's just throw them. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, okay, oh no, 10 minutes, why don't we start with 10 minutes, and then just see where that goes, let's not overthink it, <laughs> or can we just do it, Monday through Friday, and let's make room for the Spirit to do what it wants with us. Maybe there might be some character stuff that gets brought up. There might be specific actions that come to mind. Maybe as you spend that time, you're like, ooh, I need to call so-and-so and say sorry. Or we need to try to reconcile. Oh, ooh, man, that, that conversation two, three years ago, and, and I might need to follow up on that. Um, whatever it is, let's, allow, let's give space, 10 minutes, Monday through Friday, and to see what the Holy Spirit brings up. And if you can't do it, that's okay. That's okay. Because God doesn't care about your performance. He cares about your presence. That's what Jesus modeled in his earthly ministry, that's why Jesus did what he did. To make a way for us to be present with him where previously there was no way. All he ever cared about was your presence. That was the case since Genesis 1. That's the same now. And it'll be until Genesis, or Revelation 22 and beyond. With that in mind.